0: Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Well, the top of the morning to you, and welcome to The Brian Buffini Show. Very excited for the content today. This is information that has and continues to change my business and my life. You know, over 22 years ago when I founded Buffini & Company, I wanted to coach and train people, but I wanted to be able to personalize and customize our referral system so we could kind of tailor make it to the individual we were working with. So it wouldn't be square pegs and round holes. And I began researching all the different personality profile tools out there, whether it be DISC, Myers-Briggs, or Strength Finders all of those things, and eventually we came across a process known as historical observation. And there were many different iterations of this. The concept was first developed by a man named Arthur Miller, uh, later developed further by a bunch of PhDs uh, working for Gallup, and it had been translated into many different programs and products. So I came in contact with this. At the time, it was being administered to Fortune 500 CEOs and leadership teams, senior leaders inside the military and it was a number of those folks that I met on Life's Journey who told me about this. The more we researched, the more we started putting this inside our company. Eventually, the company that actually performed these profiles, we actually acquired and built and so for 22 years, we haven't coached anybody without putting them first through what we call a heritage profile and what it basically is, is analysis of a person's natural gifts and abilities. It's been fascinating because since day one, we've had over 100,000 people go through the heritage profile analysis. And it's not a test where it compares you to someone else. It's an interview process. You get to basically communicate and articulate a series of responses to questions. And what's fascinating about it is out of these 100,000 profiles, no two have ever been exactly the same. It's a complicated process to some degree, but the application of it is very simple. And the payoff on this And the payoff for you today listening to this podcast is this information, the first thing it helped me to do is understand my own natural gifts and abilities, as well as understand my own natural disabilities, the things that would counteract my success. It's helped me to self-manage Myself better than any tool I've ever come in contact with. And I always tell people, I'm always asked to speak at leadership conferences and so on and so forth. And I always say to people, you can't be a good leader without managing yourself first. How are you supposed to manage somebody else if you're not managing yourself? And the Heritage Profile has been the tool to help me do that more than any other. The next thing it allows me to do and has allowed me to do for the past 28 years is to understand and connect with my wife better. Knowing how she's wired Naturally, knowing what our gifts are and then knowing what her tendencies are to undermine herself has been extremely helpful in our relationship, in our marriage. And I will tell you that the things that occur today, especially when we're under stress or under pressure or don't have a lot of time, those attributes in our profile become more exaggerated, if you will. It's very powerful. In fact, couples in our coaching program will tell me that the heritage profile is the cheapest marriage counseling they've ever had even more than that this has helped me with my six kids i have six unique kids even my twins i have not had a one-size-fits-all cookie cutter approach to raising my kids because i brought them through the heritage profile process to understand their natural gifts and abilities their natural underminers of their abilities so each one of my six kids have had six different applications of a parenting experience and that's why i say even my twins Maybe even especially my twins. I don't work with the same. I work with them how they're uniquely made. Again, the proof is in the pudding. My kids have gone on to do some pretty remarkable stuff, and they have seemed to have some pretty high self esteem. I also use the Heritage Profile to understand and connect with every single one of my staff. I've mentioned this before, but if it's true, you're not bragging. For the last two years, Buffini Company has won an award to say we're the best place to work in San Diego. One of the ways that's the case is that every single person at Buffini Company gets a heritage profile. We'll actually even give heritage profiles to people who are job applicants. Now, if you take a tour through Buffini Company, and I recommend you come to Carlsbad one day, it's like Disneyland for adults when it comes to personal growth. Come and take a tour of our facilities. And one of the things you'll notice is that on everybody's desk or at everybody's office, you'll see a couple of portrait pictures, we call them, of the overview of a person's heritage profile with these natural gifts and abilities. What does that mean? It means that the staff know how to interact with one another. This is how this person needs to receive information. This is how a person needs to deliver information. It allows people to not take things personally because this person's just being themselves in this way. But it also allows that same person to be gracious and understand, here's how this person needs to receive this. And so it, it basically creates this, I know how you work. I know how I work. Here's how we work together. And then lastly, everyone we coach since day one has had this heritage profile so the coaches know what buttons to push to get the best out of our clients to help them perform and it also lets them know what buttons not to push so they don't go backwards or unnecessary conflict or information's not received now today i'm gonna interview somebody believe it or not after all this setup and it's yet another buffini now i know what you're thinking how many of them are there And do they all have to speak? Do we have to hear from them all? Well, let me give you the context. The Buffinis are a cross between the Jackson Five, the Osmonds, and the Adams family. We know how to put the fun in dysfunction. let me tell you. And the person I'm going to introduce you to today is my youngest brother, Kevin, who has had a unique position on this success journey of mine for over the past period of time. In fact, for Kevo, he emigrated from Ireland 25 years ago, straight out of high school, and he came to work with me in my real estate business. So he learns the ins and outs of that business and the working by referral system at the grassroots level. When I started Buffini Company 22 years ago, Kevo was the person who traveled with me all over North America. And he and I went town by town, city by city, meeting our customers face to face and beginning this process. And we did that for years and years. Well, for the past 15 years, Kevin has headed up the department in Buffini Company that's administered these 100,000 profiles. He trains the trainers on it. He does the analysis for our heavy-hitting clients and our corporate clients. And he also goes to different events that we have and meets and communicates and talks with folks on -on one-on-one. And now the past few years, he's been out on the road speaking himself and doing a fantastic job at our Game Changers event, our Success Tour events, sharing with people about their natural gifts and abilities. And so, Kevo, it's great to have you on the show today. Welcome to the Brian Buffini Show. (laughs) It's currently the Brian Buffini Show, but we're working on it. Oh, That's good. Well, (laughs) he's here to hijack. We had Takeover Tuesday. It's going to be hijack afternoon here with Kevo. So I gave a long preamble here because there's a lot to this whole thing. But there's over 55 of these attributes, is that correct? 72. 72. You know, you think I spent a few million books on this thing, (laughs) I'd know what the heck it is. So the 72 attributes. So if we were to cover all 72, we'd be here for a fortnight. So we're going to cover a couple of elements today that I think are going to be most useful and immediately helpful to our listeners. We've seen this with our clients, I've seen this in my own life. And so we're going to cover a person's persuasion or selling style. And then we're going to cover a person's communication style. And so let's kind of dive in this together. Talk to us about this whole concept of a person's persuasion or selling style. Okay. Well, if you think about when we're born, we have a
1: very primal response to getting our needs met, which is we do what? We cry. Mm -hmm. That's the very first communication we all do. And from that, it starts to get better. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) And still, you can still people crying when they're older, but it starts there. Just like it does when you have two arms and you wind up later on in life, you're either left-handed or right-handed. So we all have a communication style that as you use it and as you have wins with it and success with it and you get your needs met with it, that's typically the style that you'll end up using and choosing. And you'll get better at it as you grow up. You go from crying as a child, being able to use your communication style as an advanced person to sometimes guess what somebody's going to say before they say it. and You try to preemptively strike. What we want to do is just show you, one, where you show up on this scale, and two, what's the opposite to it? When we communicate with people at Buffini & Company, it's, there's a lot of grace and candor. And people can hear it. People can take advice. They can take criticism because it's not personal. And they can see that you're really trying to communicate with me in my way, which is why it helps our culture around here.
0: One of the things you talk about all the time is that, you know, there's a level beyond communication that's making a connection with people. And one of the ways to really connect with people is kind of understand where they're coming from. Right. Communication is at an all-time
1: high. Connection is at an all-time low. Right. And if most of our communication is nonverbal, over 55% of it, we're going to have to work that much harder to over-communicate nowadays to really be heard because you lose information and meaning on texts.
0: You lose information and meaning on emails. Snapchats, Instagram posts. It seems like we're primed to judge people. It's fact, it's interesting. You know, We talk about this heritage profile and how complicated it is to come up with a kind of an assessment of where a person's gifts are and abilities are in communication style. Today, people decide based on less than 140 characters who a person is. It seems like the whole world is into profiling, and most of that profiling is absolutely wrong. Everybody people watch. Mm -hmm. It's just they don't always know what they're looking at. Mm. We say in profiling, feelings without facts creates fiction. Mm. I want to dive in here because I want to talk about something that I've seen help a lot of people, and that is I want to talk about this dynamic of motivators and facilitators. I've seen this with salespeople and businesspeople in their business, but also with people in everyday conversation and communication. So why don't you talk to us a little bit and give us a definition of what a motivator is. Okay. So your persuasion style is the way in which, the style in which you
1: get your needs met, the Mm -hmm. approach you take. So there's two types. There's motivators and facilitators. A motivator is someone who naturally speaks first during a communication because they like to influence the outcome. Mm. When you're interacting with them, they are typically people who will speak first, It's kind of like when you get to a stop sign. The person who goes first at the stop sign will be a motivator. (laughs) They don't typically wait to be invited in. They typically want to start the discussion, get the chains moving, get momentum going by speaking. And listening is not necessarily always their greatest asset because they're listening for another opportunity to speak again. They're very good salespeople typically too. And they're very good at giving direction, which was always very useful for the agents we coach is we told these people how to ask for referrals properly, how to ask for the business, how to get their needs met during a negotiation. Mm. These are all connected. And being aware of your own style empowers you. Not being aware of your own style can handicap you mm. because you can rub people the wrong way unbeknownst to you and don't realize why you've lost a sale or why you lost a friend or why somebody thinks you're pushy. So what's the downside to being a motivator then? The downside is is that You can jump to conclusions quickly. Mm. And if it's not managed, because all of these abilities need to be managed, that's where the strength is with these, is when it's managed. If it's not
0: managed, a motivator can be way too pushy, Mm. and you can alienate people unbeknownst to you. So a motivator is having a conversation. So let's say they're in business, they're in sales, or they're trying to influence a kid to go to a certain college, or they're having a conversation with somebody, and they don't feel like they're getting through. Right. So the tendency is to ramp it up and increase the volume, noise level. You know, you didn't hear it, so let me motivate you even more. Yeah. You'd be nuts not to take this
1: college. You'd be nuts not to take my advice. Yeah. So it, it increases because when they encounter an obstacle, they go around it, they go past it, they go through it. They don't typically hear no mm-hmm. as stop. It sounds like your brother, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. But it's worked for him. Um, <laughs> and it's managed for him. Right. So I think if, if you learn first what your style is, you can manage it, you can master it. You're always going to be this way always, Mm -hmm. but you can manage it and you can get better at it. Let's talk
0: about the contrast there with the
1: facilitator. Okay. Now, a facilitator is one who naturally listens first during a communication, waiting for their chance to speak up. Mm -hmm. So they're not pushy. Typically, if you ever watch any of these political shows, there's one person talking and another person eventually acquiesces and shuts up. That's the way motivators and facilitators interact. The motivator will go through the stop sign. The facilitator will keep waving people through until it's their time to speak up. Mm When they feel safe, when they feel connected to the people they're talking to, they can be more direct. So you can find a facilitator at home will be much more outspoken than they would be per se in a business setting Mm -hmm. or in an office setting, Mm -hmm. especially when in a sales environment. Facilitators have to work harder at asking for themselves. They have to work hard at closing deals. They have to work hard at giving direction. Because what happens is if they don't, they can come across as weak leaders. People will think they're wishy-washy.
0: People Mm. will think, do I really need to listen to this person? They don't sound very convinced. So I've had experiences. I'm a motivator by personality. And I've had experiences with salespeople that I've worked with who were waiting for me to buy from them and weren't bringing me to a conclusion. So talk a little bit about the downsides of being a facilitator. Everybody, when they're coming for professional services, waiting for advice, they're waiting for direction
1: not suggestion. Mm-hmm. And so the thing that you have to remember as a facilitator is you have to give direction. Now, one of the ways I would have you do that is tell people, if I was you, mm-hmm. if I were in your shoes, what I would do is, that way you're given direction. Mm-hmm. It's not just suggestion, and you can move people forward. Mm-hmm. I remember many times when we were in our real estate business, you would hear people, a facilitator closing someone on a, on a transaction, and you'd hear them say things like, well, Brian, I know you really like this house. Why don't you go home and sleep on it and call me in the morning? Mm -hmm. Now, to
0: them, that was closing them. Mm -hmm. A motivator like you would hear that, the morning, do it now. Or sometimes a facilitator person would say, you know, hey, I'm available to look at more homes if you're not set on this. Yes. And that's how a facilitator wants to be treated. Give me options. Give me space. Mm -hmm. Give me room. Let me listen. A facilitator wants to be heard. Now, everybody wants to be heard. But sometimes... They can walk their way out of it. I I tell the story of when my house burned down, we lost our cars in the driveway. And so here I am. I have no time. And you know the story. Beverly and I make a list of things to do. We have 700 plus items on the to-do list after a week. I go down to buy two cars. I want to replace the two cars I have. And the salesperson's a total facilitator. Now, I have 100 things to do. I'm under pressure, stressed out, lost me home. Kids have no school, this and that and the other. And it's like... uh, Hey, I need to buy these two cars. Oh, no. Uh, We've got to watch the videos. No, I just used to own these cars like last week, you know. No, we have to watch the videos. No, I want you to go through the manuals with me. I want you to go. We need to take a test drive. I test drive. I own this car. And eventually, the facilitator, who we can think is the, oh, they're a better listener. and, this and this, They frustrated they the do. daylights out of me. Yes. And I went somewhere else to buy two brand new Mercedes. Right. Because I got over-facilitated. They turned into the sales prevention team. Right. They have to ask questions to find out how you need to be served and what you want to be served at
1: and then meet you there. Motivators want direction. They want quick instruction. They right. want, okay, what's next? What are we doing next? When those opposites meet, they'll always try to serve each other the way they'd like to be served. Mm-hmm. The problem is it's unbeknownst To us, many times there's an opposite to the way we communicate. There's a left arm to our right arm Mm -hmm. dominance. And so just understanding our style will empower you. But when you understand the opposite that's out there, you learn how to talk
0: their language. Well, even then, and again, going to our background back in the real estate business, you go on an appointment, opposites attract. You know, Lou Holtz used to say opposites attract and then attack, right? So many times you'll find a motivator is married to a facilitator. Yes. I go on an appointment, I'm a motivator, I'm connecting with the motivator. And disconnecting with the facilitator. She's going, I don't feel heard or so on and so forth. So let's get into kind of a little nitty gritty. I think right. this would be helpful. I mean, we've kind of focused here on the salesmanship aspect of this, but you'll find this in everyday life. How can I identify a motivator? Okay. There's questions you can ask,
1: like, mm-hmm. do you like to negotiate? Do you handle conflict pretty well? And motivators typically do both mm-hmm. quite well. They don't mind a quick conflict if it gets resolved quickly. Let's just get into it. Let's get over it. Motivators will talk first, like I said. They always share their opinions quite readily, and there's less patience to them. And if you're interacting with them, they'll seem more interested in advancing the conversation and not stopping. When you're working with motivators, it's important to make sure you're giving directions. When you are a motivator, it's important to ask questions. Mm. That's how you find out how everybody wants to be served, and then you meet them accordingly. hmm Okay.
0: Well, what about a facilitator? How can I identify those
1: folks? Okay. Now, a facilitator will always come across in person much more passive, as in they're waiting to be invited in. They let other people speak first. They share their opinions, but typically only when they're invited in. Now, that's different at home. They always have the green light at home, but Mm -hmm. outside of the home environment, they wait. Interesting. We call them very patient listeners. They're wanting to hear everything you have to say before they go ahead and add to the topic. They really like to explore options and choices. So when you're selling them something, showing them option A and B and discussing them is where they feel empowered to be able to make a decision. Let me tell you a story about a motivator and facilitator here recently. There was a young man here at the company who was a motivator. He found a house. He was excited about it and he was looking for a realtor here locally to represent him. So he asked me if I knew of anybody. I referred him to a fella because he wanted to work with someone his own age and they connected and seemed to hit it off. Well, I get a call from the young buyer maybe a day or so later and says he doesn't want to work with this agent anymore I couldn't understand why I thought they would fit very well on paper I know they're both per profiles he said the agent sent over a DocuSign with all the price filled out all the terms filled out we never talked about it and I kind of feel like I'm being railroaded now into a transaction Hmm. I said well just so you know I know the other agent that's not their intention they've done a lot of transactions and they're actually just trying to speed things up they should have talked to you they should have had a discussion They eventually meet. They talk about this issue. He feels heard. He feels like he's not being pushed or railroaded anymore. But up until that moment, he felt like he wasn't being seen as an individual. He was being treated as a mark, he said. So there's an agent who would have lost this client and have no idea why this client's not returning my calls anymore. We hit it off. I don't know what happened. And it was as simple as not understanding your own communication style and how that can affect somebody else.
0: And when you're in a service business, the key component is to serve. And it is an unnatural act to think from another person's perspective. Now, I'm going to say this. I have made almost a billion dollars in sales because I have one gift, and that is the ability to think from another person's perspective. And what I found over the past 30 years, that that's kind of an odd, unique ability. Most people think in terms of what they like. You know, I like this, so then you're going to like this. I've been in situations where I had uh, one of my staff was a foodie, and we'd go on the road, and we have a a friend of mine who's coming. He's a guest speaker at the event, and he's kind of a Midwest guy, meat and potatoes guy. We're in New York. It's Fashion Week. It's the whole thing. We come in. The foodie orders bone marrow and oysters on the half shell and all of these different amazing things. And he's trying to be nice. He's trying to be of service. But what's he doing? He's thinking from his own perspective, right? <laughs> yeah. And so what did this guy? I go, okay, I got this. And I'm not a foodie. And I got him a little appetizer, a little steak frites mm-hmm. and little potato cakes. And he was happy as a clam because I knew the guy. And I took yep. an interest. And I'm uniquely gifted in the area. Right? <laughs> no, I kid you not. But it's as simple as that, right? Yeah. And so sometimes we're ordering bone marrow for people who need a little piece of steak. So... There's an example yeah. where the trust was questioned, value was questioned. You were the intermediary. You're the person who set up the referral. You're a trusted source. They're calling you up saying, I'm about to fire this person. Yes. And the person who was getting fired, who's very good because you referred him, didn't know why they were about to be fired. Bottom line is that person needed to understand where the other person's come from. You yes. were the intermediary. They were going to lose that client. And they didn't right. even know it. So here's my thing
1: is you're always going to be right-handed. You're always going to be dominant in your communication style. Mm-hmm. You're always going to do it, but what you can do is learn, like Brian learned, how to develop emotional intelligence that think from other people's perspective. There's your perspective and the opposite to it. So if you know, after listening to this, you're a motivator or a facilitator, then all you have to do is equip yourself with an arsenal of questions that connect to the other side, and you'll catch everybody. By asking questions to facilitators, they'll feel connected to you. They'll feel like you care about them. They'll feel like you're trying to meet their needs. When you give direction to motivators, they'll respect you more. They'll respect your leadership more, and they'll refer you based on that. We always say that competence reassures, but character refers. Mm. So if you can connect with the other person based on their style, you'll own them.
0: Now, motivator facilitator works, and it's very helpful, especially in the business setting, the service setting, so on and so forth. This next dynamic of the communication style works in every aspect of life. And I believe, and of all the 72 attributes, which I now know there are, if people can get this, the dynamic of pragmatics and aesthetics, Mm. if people could get this, Mm. this has changed my world. It doesn't Mm. mean I'm perfect at this, but I am aware. I'm aware of my own super pragmatism. I'm aware of my wife's aestheticism. I'm aware of many of the people I come in contact with and understand how sometimes I may deliver things in what I believe to be the most tender, soft way possible, and they're going to take a nap. Mm -hmm. So this is a big deal. Talk to us a little bit about the dynamic of communication, and let's talk about a pragmatic person and an aesthetic person. Let's talk about a pragmatic first. Give us a definition And then how that shows itself up in a person. So what's your communication style? If you're pragmatically dominant in your communication style, it means a pragmatic person
1: is someone who's a bottom line communicator that pays close attention to the content of what is being said first. So that's to say they care about what you're saying first. And then everything else they'll pay attention to after. Which would be the context? Yes. The way you delivered it, your tone, your verbal cues, your body language. They'll pay attention to that after they hear what you're about. Okay. An aesthetic person, who's aesthetically dominant in their communication style, is a person who pays attention to the context of what's being said first. So that's to say they care about how you say things first, with your tone, with your body language, with your facial expressions. And if everything checks out there, then we'll go ahead and listen to what you're trying to
0: say. I'm hyper-pragmatic. I'm married to a super-aesthetic. Yes. I had to learn early on, I'd go, good morning. And my wife would go, What's wrong with you? What's wrong? (laughs) And I I just said, Good morning. Right. No, no. What's wrong? And I have no idea what's wrong. People have told us, I I, I kid about this. Understanding this can save a marriage. It can save family relationships. It can avoid an awful lot of pain. And it can develop an opportunity to really deepen relationships. Talk about this pragmatism and aestheticism working together. You said, but I heard type thing. All right, well, soon as how you brought
1: it up, and you mentioned your lovely wife earlier, Bev, there's a story about you two that I remember from years and years and years ago on the road. Brian's a very generous, loving man, and he loves people with acts of service. He loves people with gifts. He loves people with time. He loves people with effort, motivation. That's how he has always demonstrated love. That's his dominant side as a pragmatic man. He'll do stuff for you to show you how much he loves you. The words don't mean as much to him, so he's not going to love you with those because he doesn't think it has the same... Value. So he's always going to love you with pragmatic stuff. So, as Brian was getting married and loving on his new bride, and he would buy her stuff, and he would buy her cars, and he would buy her beautiful jewelry, and he would buy her all the stuff, which she was very appreciative of, and would say thank you and be very nice about it. But it never really, she never really gushed over it. She's a very, very appreciative (laughs) woman, she's a very chill woman. But she doesn't get too fired up about anything. If I won the lottery, she'd say, oh, that's great, Kev. If I broke my leg, she'd say, oh, that's terrible, Kev. So she's very even-keeled. So while we were traveling around on the road, I remember listening to you talking to your wife and loving on her as best as you could. And I remember I just wrote down a few words on a three-by-five, and I handed this over to you. And I said, do me a favor. Just call her and read this. And you read it, and you look at it, and you say, she already knows this. Yeah. I've said this before. hmm what worth is it doing it again? You said leave it on her voicemail. It'll make her day. Just call her and leave your voicemail. So he calls and says, all right, fine. Hi, honey, it's me. I just want to call you and tell you how much I love you. I'm so lucky to be married to you. I don't know what I'd do without you. My children have the best mom they could ever hope for, and I look forward to having more children with you. See you soon. Love you. Bye. Hangs up, doesn't think anything of it, doesn't assign a whole lot of value to it because it doesn't mean much in his world. 20 minutes later, this very stoic, quiet calm woman is on the phone profusely thanking and crying and telling them thank you so much for that message i can't tell you how much that meant to me and what that did for me and he's looking at me like <laughs> what did i just do i was shattered and it didn't cost me anything which i think he was even more fired up about too is that he found a new way to in be able a to pragmatic love in this way. way i don't need diamonds <laughs> i just need my words
0: but you know what shocked me about that kev is i did presume you know i'm demonstrating this all the time and i was working hard at it yes And when you asked me to do it, I remember thinking, like, this is kind of goofy. And I left this message on the voicemail, and it opened my eyes that day. And by the way, it opens my eyes up to this day, to my bride, you know, Valentine's Day. We don't really celebrate Valentine's. We like to say in our house, every day is Valentine's Day. But I will send her a bouquet of flowers every day. Have a marvelous Monday. Have a terrific Tuesday. Wonderful Wednesday. A tremendous Thursday. Fabulous Friday. Okay? And I'll do this periodically. But every five or six weeks, she'll get a bouquet of flowers every day. Right. But when I send her a little message on a text with a little mm. emoji with a couple of hearts in the eyes, yep. I get volumes back. Yes. And I'm still learning that. I'm 28 years married. And it was the difference between you know the pragmatic seems to be the you know show me and the aesthetic seems to be tell me words are very powerful to an aesthetic and it's interesting again opposites attract that a pragmatic person can be in a relationship with an aesthetic person who needs words of affirmation needs words to communicate and the pragmatist is trying to do stuff and then feels oftentimes devalued, are the aesthetic fields trampled on? Yeah. So it's a powerful thing. We had a, a young
1: lady in coaching. She came to me last year, actually, around Valentine's, and she says, I get it now. I said, what do you get? She goes, my boyfriend, he's pragmatic. I said, what do you mean? She goes, well, he gives me flowers. And he just hands me flowers and says, happy Valentine's. Yeah. And there was nothing in the note. It was just <laughs> blank. And this young lady said, well, if there was a note, what would it say? And you say, happy Valentine's. So because there was no sentiment attached to it, she was a little upset. Yeah. Now, he was smart enough to realize that my girlfriend's upset, but he didn't know why. I bought her flowers. Yeah. What's the deal? Right. So what she had to realize there and then is this is how he's always going to be. By the way, you've missed the fact that he bought you flowers, made you breakfast in bed, walked your dog, fueled your car, washed your car, did the laundry, and demonstrated all of these things without words because they don't mean much to him. Right. So at that point, she realized the benefits of him, what he does bring to the table, and the fact that, you know what, maybe some of this is on me, and maybe I'm expecting more out of him than he's designed to give.
0: Now, we're not saying that pragmatics don't like nice, positive words. We're not saying, you know, buy stuff for a pragmatic and say stuff to an aesthetic. However, this is the dominant piece the other side of this is this is how people go through life and so sometimes people will think oh you know women are aesthetic and men are pragmatic yeah. not the same I mean I've had these conversations with big giant football players yeah. who were in the rough and tough world and knocking people's heads off who were aesthetic I've seen phenomenal NFL football players who could not play for a pragmatic coach yeah, because their words tore them down Yeah, and a great coach knows I got all these different type of personalities here this one needs a kick in the butt this one needs a word of encouragement you know my son Alex is very aesthetic and he's a big giant stud you know four and a half percent body fat yeah. 40 inch vertical now Alex is very hard on himself so when he plays for a coach that's hard on him it's a disaster Yeah. because he's harder on himself than any coach but now he feels like he's let them down and so he finally his senior year in high school played for a coach that got him was similarly worried to be honest with you I don't think it was any great brilliant button pushing on behalf of the coach I think the coach was aesthetic also and knew how to communicate with Alex the way he needed to be and Alex had this senior year for the ages right? and came out of his shell and just blossomed as a person and so it's very big big stuff and it's got far more applications than we're going to get onto this podcast today and we're not just talking about you know the dynamic of Valentine's Day we're talking about interpersonal communication for example I'll have people who are leaders in the company who know they're coming to speak to Brian, who are very aesthetic in nature, and they lead with the bottom line. They lead with, here's the practical applications. They lead with, here's what this is going to do, and then follow up with the sentiment and how it's going to make people feel and how it's going to create the culture, which I'm interested in both. I just want the other stuff first. Also, similarly, there's many times when I'm intentional about it, and I'm, as a highly pragmatic person, talking to aesthetic people in my company, where I'll package it in such a way that I know it's like warm oil on a dry mm-hmm. skin, is that when you, you deliver the sentiment, you deliver the, the feeling of it, you, you affirm, hey, here's what's going on, here's what you've been able to do, and then get into the, the details of the bottom line of it. So that's how you do it. You can get it all accomplished. It's just what do you lead with? Yeah. You mentioned something earlier about the twins, and it
1: said, you know you have an aesthetic twin, and you have a pragmatic twin, and I watch you interact with them differently, Mm -hmm. which is really impressive because, I mean, I got goosebumps when I saw you talking to the aesthetic one once, and I'm like, that's what I wanted to hear. I'd run through a freaking wall for him right now Mm -hmm. based on what he just said, and she's a very sweet, very gentle human being, but with the words that you used, you turned her into a little tiger. It was phenomenal. (laughs) And the other one, you can be as quick and as short and as direct to her as you possibly can, and she hears nothing but
0: the meat of what you said right which is great for me i I get along great with her but i've had to work with her because she's a leader on her team when they're winning a state (laughs) championship and she has people literally girls walk up to her and go it's been a year now and i I realize you're a nice person and amy's like really and it doesn't bother her of course because she's very pragmatic but i go hun you have to learn that there's people who are wired differently than you And in order to reach those people, you can't just communicate with people the way you're wired up. And that's what service is all about. You know, The definition of service is to contribute to the well-being of others. And I believe our communication needs to contribute to the well-being of others. Give us a few tips here, Kevin. How can I spot a pragmatic and how can I identify an aesthetic so I'm not stomping all over them? All right. So a pragmatic
1: is going to be more direct, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to be quicker to the point they're bottom line communicators they focus on what you're saying rather than how you're saying it mm-hmm. and what they really look for is results right away so how can i identify them? what question would i ask or you could ask them what motivates them and what mm-hmm. motivates an awful lot of pragmatic people is money because it brings about this money will pay for insurance this money will pay for it's very pragmatic practical so I'm things
0: radically pragmatic but i'm not motivated by money So how would you identify me? If I was trying to identify you in the street as a pragmatic
1: person, I would ask you, how do you know when you've done a good job? Mm. And an aesthetic person would say, people will tell me. And a pragmatic person will say, I just know.
0: (laughs) Very true.
1: (laughs) I just know. (laughs)
0: <laughs> there, there was
1: a result. We got the household or what have you. Yeah. Uh, I just know. Yeah. Aesthetic person has to be told. They,
0: they like to be reaffirmed after the well, fact. For me, I would say not just I know, but it's like I see the result. Right. You hired me to close the deal and do it the best way. And we got the deal closed. We got you a great price. You're happy as clam.
1: Uh, boom. It's done. Right. See, I would want to make sure that they were all still in love with me as the transaction right. was closed. Yeah. And that would be as important to me as my fiduciary duty, unfortunately. Right. So I had to
0: manage that. I want the clients to like me. But respect is more important, right? So it's not that it's an either-or thing. It's what you lead with first, yeah. right? Because you want the deal to close, you want the results, you want the commission, you want the sale, yeah. you want the result yourself. But you want the the acknowledgement and the words first. Yeah. So how do I spot one of these aesthetics in the, the weeds? Aesthetics. How do I know where they are before I? Well, I think to remember in the woods here. The thing to remember
1: too about this is none of these abilities are gender specific, right? You know, not all men are pragmatic and all women are aesthetic. I mean, sure. I'm an aesthetic man and it's been a blessing in my business because sure. it allows me to increase my emotional intelligence, to read people quicker, to make sure everybody's put back together before I let them off the phone. Mm-hmm. When I was working with couples, it would allow me to do a much better marriage counseling with couples because I was able to feel where the owies were when they were talking. But I need help with my pragmatic world, whether mm-hmm. it's budgets or accountability in areas like that because I know I'm weak over there. So I'm aware of it. Aesthetics are more naturally sensitive people. They express appreciation of others a lot. You Mm. can even call a voicemail. You can hear an aesthetic or a pragmatic based on a voicemail. Really? What would an aesthetic voicemail sound like? Have a good day. (laughs) 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 Brian says you reach Brian Buffini. No, you know know, what? My message
0: is I leave the computer message (laughs) on there. I don't bother (laughs) recording one. I let the computer did it. That's great. That's quick.
1: Boom. You know Talk to 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 the computer. Right. When I texted the girls on winning their volleyball state championship, I texted the two of them the exact same text. One said, thanks. And the other one said, oh, my goodness, thank you so much. (laughs) One's aesthetic. One's pragmatic. (laughs) So you can tell by the way people typically respond. To the words or versus the actions, when I do something for Brian, here's this pragmatic son of a gun, but if I make him a CD of all the music we played together on the road, mm-hmm. and it means something to him, and it, it shows effort behind it. I can bring him to tears mm-hmm. I was just trying to you know do a gag gift, but kind of went a little above and beyond and end up moving him to tears, but because he saw the effort in it, mm-hmm. it brought back memories of us on the road together as brothers and right. what have you. so if I show effort to Brian, he'll feel loved. if I love him with words, he won't respond. The same way I'd expect myself to respond and then I get hurt or an aesthetic person gets hurt because they're trying to love on you with words. If Bev was trying to love on you with words all the time, yeah. she's going to be upset with the lack of response. She's not going to understand what's wrong with you. Right. You appreciate it. That was nice to hear. But what do I do with this now? Mm-hmm. So it's something to be aware of that the opposites won't always respond to your style. That's when you know you're talking to the
0: opposite. I mean, seriously. I mean, I'm married 28 years my wife will to this day try to anticipate my humor or my mood or what i'm doing or what from nothing from nothing like sometimes there's just nothing going on in there you know what i'm saying <laughs> i mean the lights are on but there's no one upstairs working you know what i'm saying you know i i just did uh, 11 hours on stage mm-hmm. and i come home and i'm just not there i'm just like chilling and i've had to learn so initially i'd be like what the heck now i have to work hard making her feel good about the fact that I'm not feeling anything like I'm just tired but I had to understand that and, and you know the contribution the well-being of others needs to start with your loved ones and then work your way out but the same with your customers so for example as we can talk about I'll stand on a stage for 3,000 5,000 I'll next week I'll speak in front of 12,000 people and you know the one comment that people have said walking out the door for 22 years he was like he was talking to me he was just talking to me Now, I'm uber pragmatic. In our database, more than half of our clients are aesthetic. I'm a motivator. More than half our clients are facilitators. So here's the key component. Once I learned this dynamic and I understood, I'm able to communicate with people in a way they need to be communicated. And I'm still totally myself when I am presenting. But I'm also aware of who my audience is. So I might demonstrate this and you do this and you do this and you do this and this will happen. But then I'll also show stories that are very moving to people that have very powerful that are filled with words and images that fill the heart and mind. So to illustrate these things, I use dots of different stories. I use stories of people who are like me and totally the opposite of me. And so the dynamic is, is that just because of who you are, doesn't mean that's all you're going to attract. But it is about understanding that people are wired differently. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is, it's this. Now, this is probably not in your heritage conversation. But this is a very pragmatic challenge to people. You need to get over yourself. If you really want to have great relationships with people, you have to get past, I want the world to work the way I work. And in the world we live in today, it is extremely self-consumed. It's extremely focused on self. And these tiny interactions that we have, especially through technological communication methodologies, people expect the whole world to interact around them the way they're wired. But if you want to have deep, lasting, meaningful relationships and connect with people other than communicate, you really have to figure out how other people are wired, extend yourself, and then it's all good. Then you get the bottom line results and the praise. You get the acts of service and the words of affirmation. You get it all. It's interesting you mention that, but One of my favorite quotes along those
1: lines is from Nelson Mandela. He said, if you talk to a man in a language he understands, that goes to his head. But if you talk to him in his language, that goes to his heart. Mm. It's respectful to talk to other people the way they need to be talked to. By the way, you get more of what you want when you can do this. And it's not that hard. It just takes a little bit of practice and you'll see the dynamics changing in your relationships in front of you. People always ask me, if I'm dealing with a pragmatic and an aesthetic couple, how can I fix this? Well, let me give you an action step. Couple's at home. Husband comes home. <sighs> Hi, honey. We need to get a carpet cleaner in here. Now, the wife who was maybe just sat down for a cup of coffee sees the husband walking in who sighed when he walked in the door. Now she's owning the sigh because she didn't hear what he said. She's hearing how he said how it. How he said it. He walked in, he sighed, and then approached her, and then mentioned that there was something wrong with the house. So what's that woman thinking at home? This is something to do with me. I'm lazy. I've been sitting on the couch all day. I let the house go to heck. And he's tired and he's fed up with me. I'm working
0: myself to the bone. I've been doing laundry and this and that and the other. Now he walks in. He and just walks in, sees me sitting down, and he starts attacking me. Right. And he, in the meantime, is going... By the way, I just happened to notice there was a stain on the carpet. <laughs> right, so right? it could be something as simple as he met someone today at, at a luncheon who
1: offered him a free cleaning from a carpet cleaning company. <laughs> but maybe this was a compounding effect of all these little paper cuts that yeah. the spouse took, right. didn't say anything, right. didn't address it, didn't know how to address it, never felt safe addressing when somebody stepped on their toes. And the next thing you know, time goes by and there's a Mount Vesuvius-style eruption over something that's quite inconsequential. Mm-hmm had she had an environment which is what I always encourage everybody to do to be able to say honey what I just heard you say there was now if it's your boss probably change out the word honey <laughs> but it's the same format what I just heard you say there was it's a great way to finish up a meeting going around the room saying what I'm planning on doing based on what I've heard you say is mm-hmm. because it's the only way you truly know the communication has taken place yeah. they used to say
0: that the problem with communication is the illusion that it's taken place right so like even on a phone call you know we're wrapping up I had a Skype meeting earlier on today uh, developing some content and there was a little confusion on certain things so I I said so what I'm hearing you say is and I reiterated and the two parties on the other side no 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 one of them needed to clarify yes and because oh that's what I heard you say and here's what I meant by that boom 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 and that's a powerful thing when that's in a relationship it opens up the doors for real quick communication
1: because it lets me know oops stepped on a toe not interested in having a fight I'm tired no honey had a coupon for a free cleaning, thought maybe we could use it. Love you. Yeah, right. No fight. Nobody's sleeping on the couch. Yeah. And it's over. So being able to create that small dynamic in any relationship where there's interpersonal
0: communication creates a great, safe place to communicate. That's beautiful. Well, there's 72 of these, and we cover two. So I leave it up to the listeners to see if they want more of this. It's great stuff. It's helped me in my business. It's helped me in my life. It's helped me run a company. It's helped me reach the needs of my children and help challenge them to be their best. It's reduced conflict. And when I've forgotten it, it's at least helped me to understand that's why there's conflict. And this is just the start of it. So I appreciate it, Kevo. It's great stuff. I, Welcome. You know, you and that department have done a great job doing these profiles for years. It's helped so many, many people. Those of you who are listening, don't forget to head over and leave a review on iTunes. We love hearing from you, whether it's pragmatic or aesthetic, I'll receive all the reviews. If you want more of this content, let us know. If you want us to delve deeper into this context of managing your abilities, we'd love to hear from you. I mentioned a number of things here today. I mentioned the heritage profile and the coaching and all that kind of good stuff. If you have an interest and you want to follow up more and you want some information on what we actually do and how we help folks, whether it be coaching, whether it be heritage profile, go to com and go check it out. So as I finish here today, I am a motivator, he's a facilitator. I'm pragmatic, he's aesthetic. We're going to close here today with the words that our grandfather used to say, and I'll start and you finish. May the roads rise up to meet you. And may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields. And the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God God hold you in the the hollow hollow of his hand. hand. We'll see you next time. God bless.